What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine. All right. How is it? It's all right, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's not really delicious, like a pint from Beer 52. Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or an innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership. So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight. That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available. So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free. Poor me. Poor me. Pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers. Cheers. Hello and welcome back to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison and I'm joined by Rob Graham. Hello. And this week we'll be looking at episode four of series two, which is called University Challenge. So the synopsis. Whilst browsing for shoes, Mark meets April, a shop assistant who has a keen interest in ancient history and the combination of good looks and a low self-esteem which Mark's been looking for. When he finds out that she's gone back to university at Dartmouth and coincidentally that Jeremy is going for a gig there, he stalks her across the country to see where things might lead. So, University Challenge, what did you make of it, Rob? Yeah, I like this episode. I always like the episodes where they're sort of away from away from London or like the whole episode is set somewhere else. I quite like those like those episodes. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's just it's a solid episode. I think we talked last week about episode three not living up to episode one and two of this series, and I don't think this reaches the heights of episode one or two, but... It's a good. It's another solid episode, and Mark really comes into his own. I think in this one, I think we get a really good indicator of his character in this episode. Yeah, well, it might have surprised you then that actually on IMDb this is the highest rated episode is of the it? series. Yeah, it just edges out of the, of the series of the series two. Yeah, so it just edges out dance class, um, oh. pips it to number one. And I'd actually forgotten how good this episode is. And I was, yeah, I was a bit surprised to find that it was the best rated. But like you were saying, there seems to be a thing in comedies where if you take the characters out of their main sort of habitat, which yeah. is London, things just seem to happen. And it's like we've touched on The Office a few times in this, but when they take them out and do the training and day... And the quiz episodes and those sort of things, yeah, so they're always funnier. Yeah, like... those are like the ones that people remember the most. So it's taking them away from the flat and JLB and all that. And actually, there, we have super hands in this episode, but you don't really see that much of hands as a character. Like he's there, and he he's he's integral to the fact that Jeremy's there. But actually, yeah. other than that opening sort of opening scene where Hans and Jeremy have the conversation about that he's going to front executioner's bong, that's he, that's, yeah. that's the only time we really see Hans say anything and get involved. So it's just about Jeremy and Mark's relationships with other new characters. 
Yeah, which is yeah, quite definitely. interesting. Yeah, no, I, I thought I thought it was a really good episode, and I think, like you say, Jez is the reason, or perhaps Superhands is the reason that they're there. But you I feel that this is a Mark sort of centric episode, and the introduction of April is quite yeah. a key. She's only in it for this one episode for now, but she becomes yeah. a much bigger character for the whole show. Yeah. I think the script writing is really clever. Actually, I think they do a lot in this episode. Now we can talk about it as we go through. But they they do a lot of scene setting in this episode. There's a lot of information that we get in terms of, and like I said, we'll go on to. If we find out about what they did at university, we find about find out a bit about what their characters were probably like when they yeah. were at university. It's quite a good scene setting episode, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think April is a fantastic addition and brings out some of the best of Mark in the series. And uh, I I'm really pleased that that this sort of isn't the last that you see of her. I know we have to wait a hell of a long oh, time yeah. to get her back, but I think um, she's too good to sort of... See, I've got my thoughts about April. I've got my thoughts about her as a character, which we'll discuss as we go through. Okay. But I, this... Yeah, I won't I won't spoil my point too early on, but I think there's certain certain behaviours that I just don't sit right with me with, with April. Okay. All right, yeah, we'll get into that then. All right, let's dive into the episode. So we begin, like many other episodes, with a typically mundane event and Mark is shoe shopping. And naturally, while making typical sort of Mark comments in his internal monologue, he's obsessing over the the Sophie situation. So he he arrives at the shop and it's shoes, the boringest purchase. But it's quite interesting that even he realises that, like, even Mark, who to everybody else is probably a really boring guy, even he's like... Jesus Christ, he's buying, <laughs> buying shoes is boring. Yeah. So he wonders, like, if only Sophie was here, we could horse around and spray suede protector. But that's his about. idea of fun. Yeah, it's I... like, I'm getting suede protector. <laughs> Not like, I can't even think of a fun thing to do in a shoe shop. But, like, that, that's his idea of, like, having a bit of horseplay. Yeah, very strange. But then he very quickly sort of clicks, isn't he? He's like, no, look, right, remember, it's Sophie and Jeff now. Um, so we we gather, but like we said in the synopsis, we don't see Jeff and Sophie in this episode. But we presume that if it's Jeff and Sophie now, that things have clearly moved on quite a lot whilst they're in Aberdeen. Yeah, we can assume that Jeff, like we thought, has wormed his way back into her good books. Yeah. I don't think we were really expecting anything else at, at, at this stage. I don't think no. that, uh, it's, too, it's too early on in the the series and the run of the show for Mark to to get the girl, isn't it? I think. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to he's got to get down to the pit before he comes back up. Yeah. No. Definitely. So like he's still in his monologue and he's saying, Come on, Mark, it's Sophie and Jeff now. And that's fine. It's not Armageddon. Come on, man, relax. Live a little. Could get brown brogues. Best stick to black. Don't want to go completely mental. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that about Mark. And then out of nowhere, we get April, quite a significant character in Mark's life, yep. sort of just comes strolling in, offering to help pick out some shoes. And I feel this scene, it plays out beautifully because they're both equally awkward. And I'm guessing this is what you're probably going to touch on with April. But I feel it brings, like, they sort of bring the best out of, like, each other. And immediately you can tell that April is suited for Mark. Like, her mannerisms, her conversation topics, even her appearance as, like, a sort of traditionally pretty girl like no she's a, she's of... like a pretty like in a girl next door sort of way isn't she yeah, like, there's, yeah. There's, she's not got like overdone the makeup there's no big like hair like she's just quite a traditional like understated yeah and i mean mark says that doesn't he like he says it later on he says she's got the risky combination of like she's really good looking and really low self-esteem like yeah she's like the she's the per- she, like, she's she's attractive but she doesn't know that she's attractive yeah but yeah so she she sort of comes over and offers to help him doesn't she 
Um, and Mark already makes himself like he already comes across as being quite socially awkward and quite weird here, doesn't he? Yeah, um, because I think he makes a comment about I thought about brown brogues. Yeah, but... like why does he like that's <laughs> the sort of thing that's funny when we hear it in his monologue, but like to him, but when he actually says it out loud, I'm like, oh, it's so cringy. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then he, refer, what he, he refers to himself as a spiv, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he's like, then, then in his internal monologue, it's just like, oh, sorry, it's not 1942. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, she's just a nice girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when he makes that comment about saying that he's a spiv, he, he rolls his eyes at himself. He is clearly rolling his eyes because he knows how uncomfortable he's making the situation by what he said. Yeah. And so it's, they, they, they do seem to work quite well Oh, together. yeah, definitely. Because one of her opening lines is that Mark should pick out the shoes instead of her. And that's oh, sort that of... that story that she tells. Despite she? this being her job, yeah. she's supposed to recommend shoes. She says... Okay, well, you better say which ones because I don't like to recommend because this time I recommended some shoes and the person tried them on and they didn't look good, but I'd recommended them. So I said they did and then they bought them and I felt bad. Sorry, you didn't need to know that. It's not great customer service. No, is it? it's I'm not. not very good at my job. I, get, I, I, I tried to get somebody some shoes. I'm not very good at telling people what shoes I want, but I can't also tell you that they don't look good. Yeah. Like, but yeah. How can I help? How like, can I help you? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're not still in faith, are you? And then she adds then, oh, sorry, you didn't need to know that. And I think pretty much every time she opens her mouth, there's an apology. Yeah, and this is this is my issue with her. Like, Mark, even Mark's face, when she tells that story, he pulls a face that is just like, why are you telling me this story? Like, <laughs> yeah. he, he pulls that sort of like, even even for me, this is a weird story. <laughs> I think that's my issue with April, is that she's almost too awkward. Like, we know, and I don't know whether, it's because she's very, very similar to Mark. I think we established that. She's very similar to Mark in how socially awkward she is and how she can't, she doesn't seem comfortable in her own skin. But I mm. wonder whether it's too much too soon for us to see April as a character. Like, we see her so weird. Whereas we know Mark's weird, but we've had, by now, nine episodes to create the character of, of him being weird. Whereas April yeah. comes across as being very socially inept, but she's very socially inept within the first three minutes of us meeting her. <laughs> and we don't know at this point that we're going to see her in the future. No. At this point, she's just a one-off episode. Yeah, and uh, we don't even know that she's going to become... A big part of this episode. She's no, just no, no. The, She's the just shop a sh- shoe shop girl. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but so you, you can immediately tell that her self-esteem is like virtually rock bottom, and it, it's sort of just like Mark, really. And Mark's no Casanova himself, and he, he comments about how broad he thinks his feet are. Oh, yeah. And then it's a really strange angle. Like she's like, "Oh no, you don't have a you don't have a broad feet. It doesn't feel that broad." And there's a really weird camera angle of his foot, like her point of view angle of his foot is really oh, strange. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so she she tells him that she doesn't think they're broad, but then as like, but obviously you know how broad your feet no, are. Yeah. It's like you're supposed to be. Your job is to tell people what yeah, she's not the size of their faith. feet. But, but this is what I mean. Them. Like this sort of like conversation they're having is so like she's so socially inept. Like it, it, it's almost like she's a caricature of of somebody. <laughs> like is that? I find it so, and I know that is literally the point of this scene. But it's so cringy because it's somebody that we've established is quite a socially inept character with somebody that we don't know and it's just it's 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 a really full on sort of scene in that sense I think yeah um, and she just keeps going doesn't she so like in his monologue he's like keep feeling my foot oh yeah like, that this weird the... monologue yeah he's trying to keep that sort of cool exterior but like any like physical contact he's like loving oh, if it if there's someone who's got a foot fetish it's definitely Mark <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's but... like keep feeling my foot please 
But then, like, she wins him completely over with the whole, like, your foot's a hand. So we, we, I feel like we've already had a tick on the socially awkward, like, the low self-esteem, but, like, quite traditionally good-looking. But then we get the second sort of big tick, and it, that's because she She's randomly comes buff, out with yeah. ancient, hi- like, history. Knowledge. And we already know the previous previous episode with Daryl, like, as soon as you've got some history on your side, it marks, yeah, exactly. it marks in. So, yeah, she makes a joke about, your foot's a hand. <laughs> and then again, apologise. It's like, sorry, that, I think that's the geekiest joke like, ever. But he comes back, doesn't he? And he's like, it's all right, I like ancient Egypt too. Like, yeah. he's just like, keep telling me these jokes. You're like... Yeah, it's quite endearing yeah, yeah, yeah. for Mark. Like, he actually is quite a fan of it. He does think it's funny big points for april yeah, basically yeah. and he says to himself like she knows about cubits not comfortable in her own skin she's one of me yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah like i say second big tick for her there yeah so a subtle bit well not that subtle that we have at the end of this scene is there's then a real close-up of her face as she as he's going in this monologue there's a real close-up of her face and then her name badge so we at that point I think we go right we're definitely going to see her again yeah we need like, to remember as the soon name. as that scene we need to remember who she's going to be because she's going to come up yeah, he's clearly so taken with her that he actually decides to, to come back yeah. for another he, visit. He goes back in, doesn't he? And in his, in his monologue, he's going... It's cool. I'm not a stalker. I thank shop girls for their advice with chocolate. I just happened to pop by a couple of days later to let her know I've broken them in. That's my line. There's no way they can prove otherwise. He at least is aware of how weird what he's doing is but like it's very much going cool i'm not a stalker like that's very much the mantra of a stalker <laughs> yeah it, it, it is weird i think most people will agree that it, it is weird and he's um, obviously aware that it's weird because he goes in to give her the chocolates and immediately is worried immediately realizes like the guy says like you're a friend of april's and yeah. Mark immediately is defensive and he's like what's this the third degree yeah but like, i feel like t- to him it is it seems it's probably worth it yeah. to seem a bit weird because he's it's so rare that he meets someone sort of that like-minded and we had it briefly he thought he'd found it with Daryl and he'd sort of have yeah, like the yeah. rug swept from under his feet and ruined so I think he's found another one relatively quickly he's probably like I gotta cling on to yeah, <laughs> cling yeah. on to this happiness and maybe and maybe I think he reads too much into how the guy reacts because the guy's like you're a friend of April's and I think Mark is suddenly like crap like he's on to me like there's no way that I could be a friend of April's I'm like twice her age well that's the thing i think he is understandably suspicious of him because after all yeah like 30 year old bloke comes into the shop with some chocolates asking about a uni student like i'm guessing april was probably going to be late teens this is my other issue by the way the actress playing april looks way too old to be the age that she's meant to be to be going to uni <laughs> she's meant to be playing like an 18 19 year old student yeah well like i I said well, 18, 19. Because Mark is claiming that he's just enrolled. Yeah, so she must be 18 or yeah. maybe with a gap I just year, think she lo- I just think the actress they've chosen looks a little bit older yeah. than the character she's meant to play. But that's a side note. Maybe Mark's more worried about... Well, Mark feels like the guy's accosting him about it more so than he is. Yeah, well, and it's just about the it's yeah the age thing and the fact that he just doesn't really seem to know that much about her. But like he calls he, the Columbo, does a Columbo, well, and that saves it. I do feel like Mark does manage to sort of adapt to the situation a bit. He sort of flows with it, and he does come out with what he needs, all yeah. thanks to the Columbo trip. But again, this is like this is what I'm saying. Like, is Mark reading in because Mark's worried that he's going to get caught out? Is he reading too much into what the guy's doing? Is he reading too much into it? Does he just literally need to be like? He doesn't need to do the whole, like, do a Columbo. He just needs to be like... Uh, but I suppose, I he, like, like you said, like you just said, he's put that much effort and he's, and he's that set on her pursuing her 
Yeah. That there's no point taking a risk. He might as well just... Well, he doesn't have that much... Like, if the shop manager or whatever he is thinks he's weird, like, so be it. Like, the yeah, guy's yeah, sort yeah. of irrelevant to him, but he, he does need him for that information yeah. as to where in the country she is. Yeah. But, so he's going to leave, and then he thinks to himself, do a Columbo. Do a Columbo. Just... Remind me, which university was it April's gone to again? Dartmouth. Dartmouth. Of course, Dartmouth. Thanks. And then as he's walking away, we get this great monologue. It's just, good old Columbo. Just the one technique, of course. Still, shits on Quincy. (laughs) (laughs) Works every time. I think it might be worth pointing out just now, I don't know whether you'd call it trivia or not, but the University of Dartmouth isn't actually a real university. Oh, did not know that. Ah, uh, yes, no. uh, <laughs> it's um, purely invented like for the show. I think Dartmouth, for our American listeners, is a real place. There's just not. Yeah, there's yes. clearly just not a university there. Yeah, so I think the nearest uni, I think I read, was like Exeter or something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like we said, we'll go back to Jez and Hans. They are they're coming out of a shop, aren't they? Yeah, um, they're just hanging out, sort of out and about. And they're discussing like what statement they're trying to make with the band, with name. The band name. Get another um, band name, and that can and that that that's something that continues further when they're thinking about like the name of the pub, like in a few series time. It's all about what like trying to make a particular statement. Yeah. Um, so their band name is called Coming Up for Blair. Coming Up for Blair, which yeah. is a play on the. There's a book, isn't there? There's a George Orwell book, which is called Coming Up for Air. Uh-huh. It's a George Orwell book. I think it's a George Orwell book, so I'm guessing it's a play, on, a play on that and the fact that obviously Tony Blair at that point was the Prime Minister yeah. of the United Kingdom. So Clever, yeah, clever guys, these two. I know. Um, so, they, so Hans, they're, they're sort of walking out, talking about the statement they're trying to make with the band name, and Hans then reveals that he's stolen something. He pulls something out of his pocket. Some munchies, Some munchies, yeah. This is, again, we talked last week and the week before about the, like, the very quotable, like, memeable parts of Peep Show, and this is really memed, this bit, when he's just like... The secret ingredient is crime. <laughs> yeah, and he and when Jeremy questions him about stealing it as well, he's just like, "Yeah, of course, they should be paying me to eat this shit." Yeah, <laughs> and interestingly, like one. that sort of rubs off on Jeremy. Like later on, when they we won't like sort of go too far ahead, but when Jeremy gets caught stealing later on, he says some. He makes a comment to that end. Hans's stick it to the man approach, I think, is rubbing off on Jeremy slowly but surely yeah um, um, but so Jez has got uh, sorry um, Hans has got some bad news for Jez yeah. uh, it turns out that he's fronting Pete Preston's outfit yeah, who uh, the execution is bong but he allows Jeremy to refer to them as a bunch of wankers before he tells them what he's about to do so yeah and Hans even agrees yeah. he's like yeah exactly yeah, they are. <laughs> um, let's like let's Jeremy drop his, uh, drop his foot in it doesn't he before he says anything uh, I've got to point out is that execution is bong like this show they come up with like dozens of them but every band name is amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all brilliant but this is another example of like when Jeremy says they're a bunch of wankers and Hans like yeah completely agree Hans is still like if Hans genuinely thinks they are He's again, we talked in the first series about how often Hans is like, I'm all about sticking it to the man, and then just goes along and does the like the opposite of what he claims to do. So, yeah. so he, as soon as he sees like the pound signs in his eyes, he's gone straight to... Well, uh, yeah, well, uh, what I was going to talk about was how these two have no loyalty towards no, no. each other whatsoever. We see in this episode alone, they stab each other in yeah. the back like two or three times and I've made notes on this like f- to talk about a later point with Hans and, and Jeremy their dynamic of their friendship is so strange it's a proper just like 
neither one of them really cares about the other one. No, it's like an every man for himself. Yeah. Like one of us will. Like if you can, if there's a even the tiniest chance you could make it. Yeah, you're done. I'm getting rid of you. Yeah. Like as soon like, as one of them gets, and even like where at uh, uh, Mark's wedding, Hans gets with Nancy. Like oh yeah. It's just like there's no loyalty there. It's such a strange. And the, the whole Tony friendship. situation as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, I forgot about that there. already. Yeah, yeah. so we've it's already... a really weird friendship. We can maybe do a whole episode on just the dynamic of that friendship. Coming up for Blair special. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Hans is like, I can get you in though. I can get you in, but I can only get you in on Maracas. Um, well, it's, it's yeah, it's interesting that Jez doesn't try and convince Hans to stay. It's I'll get me in on it as well then. <laughs> well, presumably, Execution is bomb are a bit more successful than yeah, the Hair Blair bunch. Or... Well. Um, they've actually got a gig booked. <laughs> yeah. Got, got quite a few, haven't they? They're, like, they're doing a whole tour That's of the all. South Coast, aren't they? Yeah. So Hans, yeah, Hans offers to get him in on Maracas, and Jeremy's quickly there to shoot down. Like, I won't be Bez. And Bez, again, for people who maybe don't know the reference, he's a very famous, but not famous for his music, uh, musician that was part of a band called The Happy Mondays, and he, and he was the Maracas player. He wasn't really the, a musician in the band. He yeah. was more known for his, like drug taking and excessive alcohol drinking or as Jez puts um, Bez in American yeah and he can, you know, he, he can flavor flavor from yeah. Public Enemy <laughs> <laughs> him but with maracas <laughs> so yeah so Bez is a good sort of comparison for what Jez is going to do but Jez is obviously not a talented musician and he just wants glory at any cost so when Ma- when he says to Superhands like I don't want to be Bez like I want to be I want to be in on merit and yeah. Hans is like you're not going to get a merit, mate. Like again, and, they're and, quite cutting yeah, each other, aren't but then, they? But then Jez is so like, I want to be, I want to get the glory. That straight away he just goes like, all right, just get me in then. Yeah, like, forget the forget the merit. I like, just want to be in. Yeah, we'll see about the merit later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that Jez is allowed on on board with the band, and well, allowed on board in a loose sense. I think we'll talk about in a minute that he's not actually on board with. Well, them. yeah. So taken advantage of, yeah. we'll say, and. Obviously, the first person he's going to tell is Nancy. Yeah. Um, and he, he's managed to, to worm his way in on the maracas, uh, but he's adamant that he's not bears. And she's, I, she doesn't even say who's bears, does she? She says what's a bears. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but she genuinely seems excited for for Jez. I I have literally written the same thing down. I was like, she genuinely seems excited for him. Like, bear in mind the end of the last episode, she was storming out of the flat because he chucked Nim out as a result of his friend. Like, she seems, like, considering they're basically just, in inverted commas, fuck buddies, she seems genuinely excited for him that he's actually getting, he's made a success out of some success, again, in inverted commas, but, like, that he's actually doing all right for himself. She does seem genuinely excited for him. It's quite nice. Yeah, that their relationship is actually becoming a bit more real, I think, now. I think they have gone past the stage of, quote, fuck buddies. Yeah. yeah. Like, he did manage to get her to call him boyfriend oh yeah but literally but, but he might as well have been prodding with a stick to try and get yeah but that. i feel like he's whether it's like stockholm syndrome or not but like he, she does seem to genuinely oh, be interested for, no, no i don't think she is well you I just d- said like i know i think she's genuinely like she takes a genuine interest in this and, and i'm saying that the whole point of that is it's quite surprising that she is because i don't get what i don't get what she's no i do get what she's getting out of it she's probably staying in a much nicer place than her flat that she's in and maybe. she's she's getting like some guy who's completely doting on her. Yeah, maybe the excitement is if Jez makes it, yeah. he'll take her along with her. I don't and... think executioners and Bong are quite like the Arctic monkeys, are they? I think they're not quite the same no, level. But he knows yes, that, like yeah. glory is glory. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, Mark Mark gets back, doesn't he? Whilst they're discussing 
the fact that he's going off on tour. And Mark seems like he's in a really funny mood. Like he's really cutting to like when Jez is like, Jez talks to him about, um, so you do the math. And Mark's like, maths. Like, oh yeah. So, like, in, Grammar police. He, yeah. I don't know whether he's just, I don't know what's happened during his day. He's not been shot down by April or anything like that. Well, I, I suppose it's probably just the disappointment of her being a yeah. hundred miles away. But like we said, if that happened at the start of the day and he's then gone into work, which is my theory on it, he's take, he's still in a foul mood considering it's yeah, like... Yeah, but if, if that is the case, and we don't know it is, but Mark's the one to fester on things, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, very true. So it's typical. And he's not got Sophie or Jeff or any any friends in the office to really talk about it, then maybe yeah, exactly. just let it, let it stew. So he arrives back and, and Nancy tells him that Jez is going on a, quote, nationwide music tour only then for Jez to say that it's actually just three days across the South yeah. Coast. Like, the, <laughs> the most... English Riviera, she refers to. Yeah, it's, it's like hardly nationwide, hardly even a tour. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite it's quite sad for Jez here because he's basically ostracised from the band and has to travel with National Express. Yeah. Doesn't even get to ride with the others because he says, you can't make the van bigger than it is, like, no matter how much I... Or anyone else may wish it were bigger, like, and then we get that, like you say, like you do the math, and then Mark's like, Psst. I'd actually written down. I imagine this is exactly the sort of thing that really bugs you. I'd literally written, I can imagine this is exactly the sort of thing that annoys you. You are Tom. right to think <laughs> that. Yeah, I can imagine the exact sort of like response is the same as Mark. So I would just, like, completely shut anyone down. This is where me and Mark uh, <laughs> yeah. we would get along very well. So, yeah, so Jeremy reveals that he's, quote, touring, and it turns out that they just so happen to be playing in Dartmouth, where April is attending university, we learn. Um, So, with that, Mark's mind is already racing as soon as he finds out that they're going to Dartmouth, and a very convenient way for him to go and find April once again, and again, he has to convince himself that it's not stalking, and it's like, this isn't stalking. I want to support Jez. And so he tries to find a way that he can genuinely go. So he's like, so this band, like, oh, any, yeah, any yeah, good? Yeah. And Jez <laughs> says, like, bunch of wankers. He's like, brilliant. I'd love to see him. Yeah, I'd love to come. <laughs> <laughs> and it also happens to be the place that Mark and Jez went to university yep. themselves. And, like, he reveals the places along the South Coast, and I think you touched on it, when Nancy gets this great line, it's like, oh, I wish I wasn't working, I'd love to see the English yeah. Riviera. <laughs> but that's what I mean, like, she does seem genuinely keen to support him, it's just confusing as to why she's behaving like that, like... Yeah, it's inconsistent. Yeah, like, the beginning of episode three, she's sitting there going, we have nothing in common. Yeah. And as soon as something remotely exciting happening happens to Jez, she's like, oh, I'm all part of it, this is why I said last week I don't like Nancy, like, as like I said, as a and I said the same with various other characters, as a character in in the whole show, like her relationship with Jez makes for an interesting Definitely. thing. But as a character herself, she annoys me massively. Yeah. So yeah, the next scene is them heading on the National Express to Dartmouth, isn't it? Have you ever been on one of these National Express coaches? I haven't. Oh, mate, they're grim. They're so grim. Like, I think, like, a few of my mates at uni, we, like, they used to go on National Express coaches because it was cheaper than getting the train. It was yeah. easier than getting the train. So, yeah, and, like, you can get a cross-country flight of five. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Sometimes. But the, the downside of it is they live in London. They go to Dartmouth. It's not like they're going from, like, Newcastle to Dartmouth. They're only going from London to Dartmouth, and it's an eight and three-quarter hour trip. Yeah. Like, that's grim. Yeah, that is grim. Like, eight and three quarters of hours to travel a few hundred miles is, is, is depressing. And, like, my limited experience of these coaches is, yeah, it's not ideal. Well, I can imagine they could have got the train, but Mark probably 
penny pincher yeah, that he yeah, is, yeah. is let's get the National Express. Well, no, because I think Jez had already said he was going on the coach, did he not, in the previous scene? Oh, yeah, so he did. So maybe Mark just jumped on with what? With what yeah, what maybe. But, so Mark's trying to make the best of it, though, and he's like, <laughs> I bet you don't get these in the van. Oh, air yes, the air on can, yeah. or air off. <laughs> just trying to brighten up the fact it's an eight and three quarter hour. Yeah. yeah, and even Jez is trying to as well. He's like, thank God we're not in the van. But that, I don't think that's. A tr- I don't think he's trying to brighten the. I don't think he's trying to brighten up their trip. I think he's trying to convince himself. Oh, to totally. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, oh, we can't believe we're going back to Darty. Um, and again, it's like the old dude brothers thing, but it's really sort of awkward. And they're like, there's no Quim likes to party, like the Quim down in Darty. <laughs> yeah, Mark has to sort of finish that line of like the Quim down but in. It's Darty. really and like. Do you know like. Quim? Do you know what Quim means? Like it's... Quim is a slang name for vagina. Yeah. It's a really unlike Mark thing to say. Well, that's why like he almost seems physically repulsed as he yeah, says I it. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Especially yeah. as the in the seat in front of them, there's like a child. Yeah. Now, I think that kid is actually it's a really clever way of the way they filmed this. Because the only way, because they're sitting so close to each other, the only way they'd have been able to film it with the point of view is the constant really close-up of each other's faces. So having the kid there, and we only see the kid a couple of times, it just alleviates the fact that we're just going between their faces. Yeah, the that's time. It's point, quite a actually. clever filming way they've done that. Um, the kid doesn't have any relevance to the scene. No, but actually... In a plot point, but as an actual like uh, media device, it's actually... Yeah, yeah he's very clever. useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no, def- definitely. Yeah. Um, so they, they, yeah, they come up with this, no quim like to party. Um, and this is what I was talking about earlier, where I said, this is where we sort of get a bit of background to them. So we either discover that Jez failed his degree, yeah. um, and we get that great line, was like, I didn't go to uni to get a degree... Yeah, so their, their time at uni isn't that well documented, like throughout the the whole show, really. But yeah, like you say, Mark does throw us a bit of like yeah, history for us. So we, yeah, it's all ancient history. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah, we find out that Jez failed his degree, but he's like, oh, I'm not bothered. Like, I didn't go to uni to get a degree. And I think we all know people like that who they were all about the partying and the degree was a sort of a side note. Oh yeah, um, for Jez, I can imagine it's exactly that. But Mark- and just like a free student loan, like money with. Ignore the strings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, loads of strings. Just ignore the strings. Um, but Mark says he's like, "There's no use regret in the past. I wish I'd studied history." Um, and Jez is just. This is. I think this is my favourite part of the whole episode. Wait, no use regretting the past. I wish I'd done ancient history, but I thought you did do ancient history. I did business studies, Jeremy, for three years, and I talked to you about it daily. Right. I could tell him that's all ancient history now. He probably wouldn't like that joke. Oh well, that's all ancient history now. That is their faces like, and it holds on to Mark when Mark when he's like when he actually says it out loud. Mark's close up of his face in like complete juxtaposition to Jez's face, where he's just like, I told a really funny joke. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just instant as well. It's from the internal monologue. It's he probably wouldn't like that. But and I'm gonna say it's, anyway. Bang. Yeah. Oh well, that's all ancient history now. <laughs> like, the, the delivery as well is really rushed. You can tell like he's excited to get this joke yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And that Mark's face is just. This is one of my favourite lines of like the entire show. Like, yeah. This cracks me every time. <laughs> and it's Mark's like stony, pissed off face. And Jez looks at him and then looks away out the window. And, and looks like, back. He's, as he stopped now, looks back. And then it's just, no, he's still like absolutely like death <laughs> stare at me. It's just absolutely brilliant. Oh, so yeah, they the moment sort of passes with them and they see hands in the that really weird like camouflage van with the rest of the yeah. executioners bong. Um, and they and he's like, I'm going to razz these fuckers. And you know exactly what's going to happen. It's the most obvious thing that's going to happen. And like, <laughs> Hans sees the number come up on his phone. Jeremy thinks he's being really funny. And then Hans just like hangs up. Yeah, Realises who it is. They're him. listening to some music, smoking, smoking a joint. And he's just like, 
Again, it's just that thing, like, treating each other awfully. Yeah, and I think... I don't think Hans is any more of a big-timer than Jez is. Like, with Mark and Johnson, if, if if we're comparing, like, with, like... Mark and Johnson have a very unequal relationship, and Mark is very aware that that is. Whereas I don't think that Jez thinks that his and Superhands relationship is an no. unequal partnership. But Hans clearly thinks that he's more big time than Jez, and he's just like, oh, as soon as I've got in with Executioners Bong, who are a bunch of wankers, but that's by the by because I'm I'm playing a gig. He's just ditching Jez, quite yeah, totally. quite open. But Jez tries to pretend that he's really cool for it, doesn't he? Like, yeah. He's just like, eh. Like, that guy. Uh, that guy, so funny, that guy, I love that guy. Like, <laughs> just tries to brush it off. Yeah. So next we jump forward to find Mark on the uni campus. He's in the actual, like, facilities. Like, he's in the building. Yeah. And so he's, he's like, hunting her down so he, so he can be nice. Yeah. Uh, and he's hanging around awkwardly, waiting for any glimpse of her. And as he's waiting, he sees, like, a couple of students, and they're just, having a, they're just laughing together, and he can't resist taking a dig at them yeah. in his monologue, and it's just... <laughs> you won't be laughing so hard when the loan repayments kick in, buddy. But this is massively out of Mark's comfort zone. I get that the idea of what he's doing, he probably sees as quite romantic and quite... No, it's so out, it's so out of the ordinary for him. That he probably thinks he's like, oh, I'm making a massive romantic gesture chasing this girl down to Dartmouth. But he's so it's such an unlike him way of pursuing a woman. Yeah, that's what he's used to. It's, it's different with Sophie. It's so she's there the, on a plate. She's there like, every day. Like, he can just grind her down. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. Like, you can grind her down day after day and, like, do his little bits. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. April, he has to make a big impression in, like, one hit almost. Because yeah. 90% of the time, she's not going to be in London. And we don't really see that with any other relationship he has in the show where he makes one overly big gesture to try and win her heart. Like, there's no one really... Like, with, with Dobby later on... Again, he just sort of keeps going with her until he wins. Yeah, yeah, no, right. yeah, he's, yeah, exactly the yeah. same, really. Which is why, which is why April is probably Mark's one. <laughs> yeah, so it, it doesn't take her too long to appear. She sort of starts heading down the stairs, but before Mark sort of knows it, she's already like mingling amongst the crowd. And I don't know really what he expects. Like, he expects her to just sort of sense his presence. Can, and... I, can I just say, like, when he's trying to prepare what he's trying to say, before he starts actually following her, he comes up with this line when he's like, how am I going to do it? Like, he's preparing himself. He's like, what's hot at the art fuck? I'm like, was that even cool when he was there, like, ten yeah. years ago? That's not, that's... I can't imagine he was very popular at uni. I, can't, I can imagine that he's exactly what he was like yeah. now, like a social outcast at uni in the same way he yeah, was. Yeah, well, we've yeah. talked about how him and Jez might just be a case of prolonged proximity, like yeah. all they have is each other. Yeah. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. So, yeah, like you said, he follows her and he's getting sort of, he's getting weirder as he's getting closer to her. I think, yeah, I think he, even he acknowledges that this is becoming like increasingly dodgy behaviour, yeah. like literally like pretending to bump into her and then there's actively chasing her down a corridor but and i'm not condoning what he's done but there comes a point where you're like in for a penny in for a pound here like i've got on all, i've gone all the way to dartmouth I'm, like the worst that's gonna happen is she's gonna go you fucking stalker yeah. and he's gonna go fair cop i'll never see you again you you, you go to uni in dartmouth i'll just find another shoe shop yeah <laughs> yeah like I, I i not whilst i wouldn't do the same i can i can see why? Yeah. Well, I can, I can, I can see, like, I can see how he can justify it to himself. It's so awkward though how he calls out. He's just like, oh, <clears throat> uh, hello, hi, sorry, uh, hello. Shit, shit, where's she going? 
I'm not licensed to be in this far. I'm following her. Shit. What am I going to do next? Take secret photos and blow them up on my wall and lie masturbating in my own filth? Exactly the sort of thing he'd probably do. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually speaks to her. And like he gives her the true story. He doesn't try and bullshit a reason. Like, he doesn't come up with another story about how they might have met. Like, he does actually say... Yeah, so she spots him and says, like, Oh, that... Do I recognise you? Like, I don't know if I would recognise, like, maybe a week later, someone that served me in a shop. Nah. I re- <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, I suppose they must have made quite an impression on each other. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very strange either way, isn't it? Yeah. And April... Uh, we talked about earlier how April seems so weird, and this whole scene is just another example of her being, like, the way she behaves is so awkward and just, like... She, yeah. she, she, sort of, she sort of lets herself buy what Mark is saying. She answers her own questions before he has the chance to answer them. So she's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, of course, you're, you're, you're obviously studying. Yeah, so she yeah she fills in the blanks and apologises again. Like yeah. I say, pretty much every time she speaks, there's an apology. She's, yeah, her, her self-esteem and just her confidence is just so low, isn't it? Yeah, so um, she fills in the blanks, assumes that he's a student, and there's a great... She asks who is tutor is oh, and, he's and we get around. this panic it's like oh like he looks at a notice board yeah <laughs> and it's like does he say kaiser so say or yeah something? yeah <laughs> and then finally he spots like a sign it's only like a yard away it's yeah, yeah. profession mcleish and he's like ah oh, yeah uh, mcleish so uh, another thing that we get about april's sort of low self-esteem is we get more apologizing right of course you're here for the tutorial sorry i'm a bit slow i'll soon knock that out of me Along with any individuality. Not that I've got any. Like, she's just so relentlessly harsh. But this is what I mean. It's almost too much. It's almost like she's a caricature of a really, like, I can't even think of the right word. Like, she's she's so over the top with how low, like, low self esteem she's got. That's why I'm, I'm not sure I particularly buy it. Like, in terms of they've created this character that's almost too much. Like, I know they've done it to try and meet Mark, but it's almost, gone a bit it's too, almost too much. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they head into the, the seminar, and Professor McLeish is played by Peter Capaldi, isn't he? Well, I think it's a decent... I don't know whether he was big in, in 2004, but he's a decent level actor for... Yeah, to run a... I suppose his role is reasonably significant. He's only in one episode, but like to get him in, yeah, it's quite a decent. I, like I said, I don't know whether he was obviously now he's most well known for being in Doctor Who and like the thick of it. Like he's quite a well known actor. I don't know whether he was in two thousand and four because he looks incredibly young. Yeah, he does look young. Yeah. But I mean, now he's aged really. Like he now looks very. <laughs> he, he he looks a lot. I'm slagging off a lot of a lot of actors on here. But like he looks a lot older than he is now in real life. Yeah, he's grayed and he looks very. He looks a lot older. Whereas in this one, I remember watching it and going, he really looks young. Like Peter Capaldi. Bear in mind, it was like fourteen years ago. Yeah, looks really young. So yeah, they head into the the seminar. Professor McLeish is um, introducing his seminar, and as somebody who studied history, I can guarantee all history lectures are just like Professor McLeish. He's very <laughs> like like cynical and very just like sarcastic and he seems to I read I wrote down initially he genuinely seems to hate his job, but then I was just like the what he says actually comes across as quite sarcastic, doesn't he? He's just like So, here we are. Another exciting troll down the vista of history. There is no new history, only new historians. 
Yeah. Like, I wonder just, how many times he's told that. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he just, like, he does that really pathetic sort of, like, ha ha. Yeah. Like, at the end. <laughs> but he immediately notices that Mark is somebody new, which you would do. Like, the seminar only seems to have about 14 people in it. Like, you probably yeah, notice. And he's sitting straight in front of him. Yeah. Like, it's pretty obvious. But Mark comes up with, like, it's a cock and bull story. But it's completely believable. It is, yeah. Again, Mark sort of quite quickly adapts to a situation yeah, and sort yeah. of pulls something out of the bag here. Yeah, but then he's, this... he's annoyed. He's annoyed about the fact that it's that easy to do. Well, yeah, so, so let's go into it. So he, he makes the lie. He, I think it's significant that he's lying to a sort of authority figure. Yeah. It says, like, a, a, a professor yeah. at the university. And he says, like, this is my moment of madness, my clapping common... Which I don't know whether you want to. Ex- yeah, so explain. the Clapham Common reference, I had, I did have to look up. This wasn't one that I just sort of knew off the top of my head. So the yeah, Clapham Common was basically a um, uh, an MP in the nineties got beaten up on Clapham Common, which is an area of London, got right. beaten up whilst basically cruising to pick up gay guys. Right. So when he talked about it afterwards, he referred to it as his moment of madness. Oh, okay. So he's like, this is my moment of madness, this is my clap in common. Like, that is a very tenuous, like, link marks made there, I feel. Yeah, but he does it quite, he's quite politically minded, isn't he? Because he, he, he makes a comment about Alistair Campbell, he makes a comment about, um, later on, he makes a comment about um, the MP, with, like, the autoerotic asphyxiation. Like, he, yeah. he thinks about MPs and he knows the background of MPs. He reads a newspaper, like, he's just, I think he's just that sort of, like, he knows the sort of stories. Yeah. I but still, like you I said, it's like, quite an obscure reference. I feel reference. that's weird, yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, so he, he does come up with a pretty decent story here and on the spot. So he says, like, I'm new, I'm mature, I went to Coventry for a week in error. And then he has to add lovely, but destroyed in the war, yep. obviously. Second World War reference. Um, <laughs> and explains there was a mix-up, like, I'm not on the forms, but I'm here now. And it's, it's like you say, at uni, there's loads, loads of faces, yeah. new coming and going. People drop out quite commonly in the first yeah. few weeks or month or and so. Professor McLeish is like, yeah, all right. And also, like, you get a lot of people, and I know that we had this, and I think you did on your course as well. Like, you have people who do joint, joint degrees. Like, you have people who pop in for yeah. like, two out of the six lectures a week because they're they're doing a history module. Yeah, but Mark's annoyed by it, doesn't he? And he's like, is that it? Is that how easy it is to steal some education? Jesus. Bloody hell, who's in charge? The world's just people Jesus walking God. around, going into rooms and saying things. It's all a big swizzle. Yeah, it's it's mad. Like this is a, this whole situation has benefited him, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. still angry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think this is a really good example of Mark. Like, Mark has causes that he he sort of stands against quite a lot, and students seems to be a real big one for him. Like the education system and how the easy life that students get and just like yeah seems to really stand out in this one and so mark makes a really sort of nerdy joke doesn't he yeah i feel like this is like this is mark's place to shine like it's his arena probably where he's going to feel now he's got past now he's got in the door and it's all okay he probably feels completely relaxed because it's talking about a subject he clearly knows a lot about he's passionate about yeah yeah, yeah. he's already met april and he quite he's, quickly he's in, gets a rapport yeah, going he's, with he's, he's, he's calmed down a little bit, hasn't he? And so McLeish smiles at him and he's like, ah, right. I'm, like, McLeish is clearly warming to this guy who seems to be more on an intellectual level than the rest of the like 18-year-old bums that are coming here 
Yeah, fresh and he, off a night out. And he uses April's, I think, so April begins discussing, like, questioning with some of the text, and Mark butts in, and then even adds a joke at the end. Yeah, so he yeah says, that's what I was talking about, yeah. Not that old fallacy. The Romans didn't station a legion in Galilee until, what, uh, 130 AD? And the Macleish is clearly impressed with his knowledge. Like, yes, indeed. And then it's... But I suppose all research funding leads to Rome. <laughs> and I feel like like the professor's impressed. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. Like, that's quite a good... Like, yeah, it's a nerdy joke, but... It's, it's a, quite a Mark Street. It's, it's, it's a, a good, good nerdy joke. joke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mark's, like, Mark's clearly won him over. And April, like... If April is as much of a history nerd as Mark is... She's all over that. She will love the fact that Mark's made that sort of joke. Yeah, totally. Um, I like as well how when McLeish asks his name, he does a little bit of a bond. He does the Corrigan, Mark Corrigan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you could tell. Like, I, I wonder if that's though because he's just thinking, am I going to give my real name at this point? Oh, that's a good point. Like, do at this point, I am real in deep. Like, this wasn't part of the plan. If I give my real name, there's, um, it's easy to track me down. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought yeah. about that. Yeah, that could be yeah. it. I, yeah, just a just a small point. Yeah, um, but, so he must be buzzing, and the excitement is evident in his monologue as well. And he's again, we get another reference to his dad, and it's I'm doing it, Dad. I'm studying ancient history, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of that seminar, Professor McLeish calls him over, doesn't he? He's like, Yeah, clearly the session must have gone from strength to strength. Yeah. Because like you say, McLeish. He says, yeah, do you want to come and, like, I want, I want to invite you to one of my semi-famous gatherings. I'm just like, I t- he really reminds me, and this, again, this is me bringing out my inner nerd. He really reminds me of um, Professor Slughorn in Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, you know, when yeah. he's just like, come along to one of my my uh, my select students' parties. Totally. Like, completely reminded me of that as soon as I, as soon as I re- re-watched it. So he invites him to these semi-famous gatherings, and he wants people to contribute to his, like, this magazine that he's he's writing. He wants people to write articles, doesn't he? Yeah. And Mark is buzzing. Like, but it's he's everything he's from, wanted. Like, yeah. he's gone from his, his boring life in London to in the space of a day, he's been invited to a history professor's house for, a, like, a night of talking, like, intellectual debate. Like, Mark's, like, absolutely in his element. I'm being ushered into the inner ring. I knew there was an inner ring. I bet they make jokes about the Atkins diet and do prank calls to Gore Vidal in Esperanto. <laughs> like, yeah, like, this is probably the best thing that's yeah. happened to him in ages. Yeah, and so, obviously, he's going to go, like... Definitely, yeah, and April seems just as excited as yeah. he is. Like, they, they sort of look at each other and, like, yeah. yeah. And I don't know what your uni was like, but no uni that I've seen, and definitely the uni I went to, didn't have, like, seminar rooms that were like that. Like the, it, was, it looked very much like it was his office, an office, or the impression that you have of like Cambridge or Oxford University, where it's all like everything's held in like big libraries and stuff. Yeah, not like just my uni was just like real like boring magnolia walls with like boring wooden tables and yeah, just yeah, just like a stand like a class, school. Room. Yeah, 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 essentially. So that was one thing I was like, oh, this is is a very not my impression of what uni was like. I just think it's a bit weird that a professor invites them to his house. Uh, yeah, I suppose like, but I suppose it's in the we're we're thinking in the mindset of like it being a teacher student relationship. Whereas like, I had university lecturers who would join us for a drink and stuff. We'd we'd finish a seminar and we had a pub on campus, and our our university lecturer would be like, oh, right, I'll come for a pint. I guess, but it's a little bit different to then invite them into your home. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I don't know, it might just be me, but I just feel it's a little bit weird. A little bit too far. But 
It's happening. It's, <laughs> get, get used to it. <laughs> well, yeah, Mark's clearly happy to go. So yeah. yeah. So whilst this is all happening, Jez is unloading things off the van. They've arrived at the the gig venue, and he clearly is the roadie, but he's trying to make out that he's not, and he's just like, I'm definitely not a roadie. Like even Ringo had to carry things. Yeah, um, I, I feel like so we've seen Mark's living the sort of fictional life of a student. And Jez is playing the fictional role of a band member of yeah. Executioner's Bond. There's like quite a like a parallel running like throughout. Yeah, the yeah, quite interesting. And like you say, he makes that comment about Ringo, doesn't he? Yeah. About I bet Ringo had to carry stuff. But, but I'm then, not Ringo. Yeah, it's like when he's when you're slagging off Ringo, like but, but Ringo one Star, of the biggest. <laughs> but Ringo Starr always is like he's the fourth member of the Beatles, isn't he? Like he, he's not the one. No disrespect to Ringo. Um, I was going to say, you're about to slag someone else. No, no, <laughs> but in in society, in culture, he's always the one who is sort of like, oh, and, and Ringo Starr. He only plays the drums. Like, yeah, that's the way he's portrayed. I feel like Jez would cut off both arms and legs to be in the sort of realms of Ringo Starr. Like, to shit yeah. on Ringo, like... Mem- even if he is the other guy in the Beatles yeah probably. I mean the Beatles are probably the biggest band that's ever existed <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah that's um, fair point yeah. he's instantly then lifted up when a, a, a woman asks him if he's in the band and his persona then instantly shifts from awkward roadie to rock and roller and it's like I sure am little lady and she says yeah. oh, would you sign this and he's like fuck yeah but then Pete sort of nearly bursts his bubble as he pops up and just asks Jez, like, when he's finished, can he run out and get six lattes for them? And I think, sort of to Jez's credit, he sort of lets it roll off him, turns it into a little bit of a joke. He's like, fuck you, P! Yeah, but it's that sort of, like, little, uh, sort of half-hearted, kind of like when Mark told Daryl to fuck off, you Nazi. Like, he yeah, like, waits yeah. for him to be out of earshot, so him like, Fuck, oh yeah, fuck that off, guy, Pete. And, and, and Pete Preston looks like he'd probably like swing a punch or two. Like, yeah. I can imagine that he would come back, and if he was, if ultimately Jez still does want to be in the band, so he's not he's not going to mug him off, is he? He's not gonna, yeah. he's not going to mug himself off here. He's still trying to like impress that girl, isn't he? They, they're sitting in the the bar, like the pub. Yes, um, that they're at. Like I always, que- I questioned when I first watched this episode, and again when I've rewatched it, if they followed the band to Dartmouth or even if they're just locals that are in Dartmouth that know execution is bomb to the point that they're queuing up outside the gig venue presumably about four or five hours before the gig yeah why do they not know that Jeremy's not in the band uh, that's a good point but I suppose Superhands wasn't in the band until like two days before so and I think with acts like that from the music that very we hear later they're quite um it's not really the music. There doesn't seem to be any like lyrics, so there's not really like a front man, especially if they can just interchange a front man, like you say, like get hands in. Like, yeah. I suppose it's not really the sort of band, like even like huge, like I don't know, Chase and Status or something like as a, I don't know, a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the bands in my head, like I wouldn't recognise them. Xavier, <laughs> Yeah, like I wouldn't recognise them if I walked up. Like just groups like that. Where it's I've like... actually got a funny story about this. I worked at the student union at my university, and Chase and Status played a gig. As you use Chase and Status as an example, and it's just reminding me of something. Okay. Chase and Status came to our uni. And because no one knows who they are, do they? No one knows what they actually look like. Yeah, exactly. And the, and Chase from Chase and Status came to the door and our, and our manager was just like, you're not coming in unless I can see some ID. And he <laughs> was just like, I am Chase. Like, Status is there. Like, I, you, you need me for Chase and Status. And she wouldn't let him in until he could prove who he was. Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, but that completely fits in with your point. 
Yeah, and no exactly. one actually knows who the members are. They know what the sound is, but they don't. And it's not, yeah, it's not a great sound, is it? To be honest, but that's quite funny. That story about Chase there that will sort of come into play later with Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, about then. Um, so the woman says something about. Right, what do you do in the band? And Jeremy comes up again. He's like that whole sort of like bullshitting, like me. Uh, everything, I do everything. I just can't do it all at once, so I get the other guys to help. And then sometimes at a gig, I'll just cool it with the maracas. Like the vagueness in his response is just so telling. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. And, and that's, but that's that, I think that's why I questioned how they didn't know that he wasn't in the band, but um, or didn't didn't question that he wasn't in the band. Yeah. Um, but then when he says about the maracas, the guy that she's with is just like. I like Bez. And he's like, no, not like Bez. Nothing like fucking Bez. Yeah. And it really gets to it. Um, and then the woman goes off on a rant, doesn't she? She just, the woman's like, starts going off on a rant that Jez doesn't listen to because he's then talking, he's in his internal monologue. He's just like, starts talking about her sucking him off. Yeah, so he's wondering maybe she'll suck me off after the gig. And then he's like, what about Nancy? What am I going to do when she tries to suck me off? Yeah. It's just that, like... It's like him, his mind running away. We talk about that quite a lot with him. Yeah, exactly. And then the monologue cuts out as we just hear her talking about the capitalist agenda. He, he completely dismisses yeah. it. And he's like, yeah. right, sorry. Sorry, I've got a girlfriend. Yeah, like... <laughs> because clearly you in were his... about to pounce on me. But, but it's the same thing as, like, when in one of the first episodes where Mark comes out with something that has been going on in his, in his head the whole time, he then says the bit out loud. That's exactly what Jez has done there. Like, there's been yeah. no mention of the fact that this girl may or may not want to suck him off. Yeah. Like, but because in his head he said it, he's then got to, like, clarify it to her. So, yeah, they, they sort of, she sort of, he sort of shuts her down. Yeah. So Mark and April also appear to be in the same venue. Yeah. We presume it's like the SU. I'm guessing. Yeah. It looks like a bit of a dive. Yeah, it does. <laughs> just looks like a bit of a... It looks like a spoons, doesn't it? Like that, It could well just be like a, like a weather spoons or just a yeah, crappy issue in a fictional uni. We can say that without uh, offending anyone. It's <laughs> yeah. not a real university. <laughs> so Mark and April are drinking something something fizzy. And like he said, like she makes a comment about like, are you not going to max out on your loan? Like it's such an un... It's almost like people have gone, what do students say when they're having a conversation? And like I've never like I went to uni for four years. Like my mates went to uni. Like I've never heard anyone go. Do you think you're going to max out on your loan? <laughs> like it seems like such an unrealistic conversation. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that actually. But yeah, I think you're right. How many times in your four years at uni did you like actually talk about like deferring or maxing out on your student yeah. loan or anything like that? Like I don't know whether because they're both a bit like the both squares. I suppose, like, I suppose that's why she's a perfect fit yeah, for Mark. Yeah, very exactly true. the sort of thing he would do. Yeah. But Mark's like. Fuck it, attitude really, because like life's pretty good for him right now. He's studying history. He's been ushered into the inner ring. Yeah, he's, he's met April. He's going out like, for a drink. He's managed to persuade a, a girl to go out for a drink with him. Like it's all it's all it's coming all up going well. well. But his monologue remains sort of a little bit typically cautious though, and it's just like, oh god, she is just so lovely, and she doesn't even realise it. Probably no one's ever told her. I should tell her. No, don't tell her. If she realises, I'm finished. And then Jez comes over, doesn't he? And. They clearly haven't seen each other in the intervening period because he doesn't know what he didn't he doesn't know what Mark's even in that eight and three quarter hour journey, Mark didn't bring up the fact of why he was really going to Dartmouth. Yeah. And I would feel like Mark could say basically anything to Jeremy without Jeremy judging him about it. Yeah. So it surprised me that he hasn't. And Mark tries to cover it cover it up, doesn't he? And like if I was April, I'd find this all really weird. Like I'd find oh, totally. this yeah, like completely unrealistic. And Mark makes Jez seem like an idiot. So that's it? You're not coming back? Nope. So what shall I do? Rent out your room? Well, of course rent out the room. We've been over this, Jeremy. 
Have we? That's right, Jeremy. But I, I don't understand. Come on, let me get you a drink. I'll explain everything all over again. Jez looks like a lost puppy throughout this entire exchange. But you would exchange. too. Like, there's no, there's no reason. Although, hang on. Like, I reckon if you were doing this to me, I reckon I'd catch on pretty quickly that you were obviously doing it to try and press the girl. Yeah, I, I think it is quite obvious. There's a girl present yeah, he's and he's yeah. spinning a bit of bullshit. But Jeremy, we've going. talked about, isn't necessarily the most like complex guy. So he's not necessarily going to think... We, we know Jeremy's pulling technique is to go and tell a girl on the first date that he loves her. Like, he's not clever enough. Ah, uh, you say that, though, but throughout the show, we get quite a few th- schemes of Jeremy's where he just spins a, st- like, spins a story that he almost can't keep up with to impress a girl. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, with Elena, he does a sort of, like, the whole buying weeds sort of scenario. Yeah, he like... just, he'll roll and roll, and then it all sort of... Gets out of control, and to be, this is in fairness, this is exactly what Mark ends up doing. Yeah, because yeah. what's he going to do now? Like, sign up for a real degree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's no, there's no end years. goal to this. He's basically he's looking to have a quickie, and then like I don't, I don't really know. That's not Mark's style. No. Um, but yeah, I'd find it. He, he really makes Jeremy seem like an idiot, and then he's just like, "Come on, I'll explain it to you again." Yeah. Like, he really mugs him off, and then straight away, Jeremy's like, "So you're stalking her." Yeah, brilliant short exchange between them getting up and leaving. There's a obviously a cut where they've had a bit of discussion yeah, that yeah, for yeah. our benefit it's just cut out and yeah. the first line, like you say, is that Come on, let me get you a drink. I'll explain everything all over again. You're stalking her. No, it's a passionate romantic gesture. And Mark, yeah, Mark justifies it and he's like, no, it's a passionate romantic gesture. Like, yeah. He tries to justify in his own, well, it's not even in his own head, is it? He's saying it out loud. Yeah. To, to, to and Jez. the way Jez takes a little sip of his beer, he's just like, right, yep, yeah, I won't say a word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mum's the word. So the next the next scene, Jez is speaking to Pete Preston, isn't he? Um, yeah, so Pete arrives over Jez's shoulder and, and Mark t- um, Jez turns to Mark and says, it's Pete from the band, and yeah. gives like a thumbs up, even though he was calling him a wanker. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, but this, is, but this is exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and so he offers Jez the opportunity to front Executioner's Bong. He's like, Hans has pissed off a load of the guys. Um, stolen a maraca. <laughs> stolen a maraca. And Jez thinks he's like, oh, no. so he thinks that's why he's coming over to speak to him. He's like, oh, no, it's right, I can only play, I'll play with one. Um, <laughs> but like... But then Jez is, seems really like... He, he does exactly what we were just talking about. Like, he ditches Hans straight away. Yeah, so Pete offers him the chance to replace Hans as the front man. He says, how would you feel about bumping Hans? And his response is immediate. It's just like, no, I mean, yeah, but no. I suppose like, he does more than Hans. That's uh, that's more makes him more of a nice person than Hans. Oh, it just, it's pretending, though, because he's just like, I've, but I've thought about it, and no, I feel fine. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you've thought about it for all of two seconds. I think I think it's just because he doesn't want to come... I don't think he has thought about it. I think he just doesn't want to come across as a bell-end Pete. He doesn't want to show that there's that lack of friendship between him and Hans. He's just gone, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I've said it too quickly to make you think that I don't care. Mm, I, I mean, think he was always going to accept, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we leave the pub um, and we see Mark in a corner shop, like an offie, buying some wine. And, so, and this is another great, like, Mark's penny-pinching internal monologue when he's just trying to decide how cheap he can go for the wine. Yeah, it's um, just pure Mark, really. And everyone likes a bargain when it comes to buying stuff. Like, everyone likes, like, you know what you're getting for the price you pay for wine. But then when he turns and he's just like, How cheap dare I go? 
Professor McLeish said party, it's going to get jumbled in the common lot. I could risk breaking the 299 barrier. <laughs> there be monsters. I'll dump this and drink the communal lager. I think I know who's winning. You couldn't ask Mr. Rashid if he's got anything cheaper than this, could you? 299 is rancid wine. <laughs> like, oh man, I'm not a wine connoisseur by any stretch of the imagination, but like, I can't imagine you can get anything for 299. Yeah. Well, you clearly can because he sees it, but I can't imagine it. I'd imagine it takes up rat piss. Yeah, so he's got this idea that he'll dump it with the common lot and, and drink the communal lager instead, yeah. like he's sort of tricking the system. But, but you can tell the sort of quality of wine he's looking at because it's not even a, it's not even like a Bordeaux, like Sauvignon Blanc or like Chardonnay or anything. It literally says white table wine on it. Yeah. Like the label says, literally says white table wine. And it's wine. one of those giant bottles yeah, like, like, uh, like lambrini yeah, sort yeah. of thing like yeah you can like you say from the the look of the bottle you can tell yeah. like this is absolutely awful but i think this is quite nice like what like when mark and jez are both talking about what's happening and mark tells jez that he's going to this party and jez is like oh yeah and i'm in a band and i'm playing i'm front in a band it's nice to see them both genuinely like happy with their lot yeah like they're both That's like nice. it's quite rare <laughs> yeah like it's really nice that they're just like yeah we're both doing this and it's it's coming up it's coming up trumps for both of us and then it all does, stops coming up trumps yeah you feel it? like the party's ruined before it's even begun as Jeremy gets caught shoplifting yeah so Mr Rashid comes over and he's like can I see what's in your pockets friend uh, and this is where like the negative stereotypes of students again is is reinforced because Jess is like I'm not a student like I'm a real person like, yeah. I'm an actual person but then obviously we see that he has stolen something yeah I, I like as well that Mark in sort of trying to defend Jeremy though at this point he doesn't know that he's actually yeah, stolen yeah. but he turns to him and he he ref- tells Mr Rashid and he refers to them both as the old dude brothers to Mr Rashid and I think that's the first time that. They've referred to themselves as that in front of someone but do else. Do you not think that just makes them seem like massive? They were definitely the losers who were going into that shop going like... Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. completely agree. I just feel like it's a little bit... Uh, because of that, I feel like Mark normally is a bit embarrassed about doing the LD brothers and doing the honks. Yeah. But it's a bit weird, like with Mr. Rashid. Yeah, I suppose he's just on such a high that his confidence is yeah, <laughs> like yeah. enough to be able to do things like that. Yeah. Um, so we discover that Jez has taken something and then as we're finding it out, he sort of looks behind Mr. Rashid and he sees the sign that says uh, shoplifters will always be prosecuted. Yeah. Um, and you're just like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, so next we find them sort of locked up in the back of Mr. Rashid's shop. Right. How did he get them in there? Yeah. I'd... Yeah. Like how did, like, presumably he didn't like strong hand them in there, like strong arm them in there. If they went there willingly, that's their own stupid fault. <laughs> yeah. If he went, I'm keeping you here till the police come, that's their own stupid fault. I suppose Mark would never run away, would he? No, but if... But, oh, but, Mark's, but, Mark's but because, not done anything wrong. But because he's not going to run away, why has he put them in the back? If he's, like, if Mr Rashid's just gone, I'm going to call the police, Mark would be like, yeah, fair cop, I'll sit on this chair just here and wait till the cops come. Yeah, I don't get why, and like... I'd imagine, I thought Jez would be the sort of person that would run. I find this, I find that really weird. Yeah, um, no, I agree. So yeah, we come back from the ad break, they're, they're locked up. Um, and, and Jez is going on some sort of rant and he's like, you know how I feel about capitalism? And Mark's like, yeah, confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Jez is trying to justify why he's stolen like an 85p bar of chocolate. Yeah. Uh, well, he's trying to live up to Superhands, isn't he? He's trying to do what Superhands did earlier. Yeah, not quite sort of silky-handed as hands no. in the, the chocolate stealing department. No. Um, so Jez is like desperate to get out because he, he He's about to he's about to have his big break, isn't he? He's about to forget Absolutely. the Honda commercial. Like this is his big break actually fronting a bat. <laughs> yeah, no, it doing, is doing a big deal. And he tries to get Mark to take the rap, doesn't he? Um, and comes up with quite a clever little line when he's just like, 
just like claim that I was in your thrall, like Hindley. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mark's just not having it. No, why should he? Well, like I say, yeah. Mark's not done anything wrong. Like... No, and they've both got something they're trying to, like the end goal they're trying to aim towards, isn't he? It's like, he's like the longer April is away from me, the more likely she's somebody else is going to realise that she's got the magic combo of beauty and low self-esteem. Yeah, I like, feel this whole exchange is typical, so typical of Mark and Jez, both as individuals and as like a like They're both incredibly couple. selfish in this. Like, they're both looking at their own end goal, aren't they? No, absolutely. And they are quite, like we've talked before, they're quite petty with each other. Yeah. And like I say, Mark's done nothing wrong, so why should Mark be punished? Like, he went he and paid in, he, for he his was in, he was in, $2.99. Because Jez was... But he's not even... But Jez isn't even... I suppose there isn't any way out, is there? Like, Jez, it can't be like... Jez, it was in Jez's pocket. Like, so he's not saying, you take the rap and say, you, you took it. He's saying, yeah. he's saying, I was in your thrall, like Hindley, which, again, we, we've just skipped over that, but Myra Hindley was an English serial killer. Yeah. Who, her defence, which was basically, she was, Ian Brady, her, her partner, was basically telling her to do it, and she was so, like, won over by his, like, yeah. ch- charisma in this. So, like, it's not even like Jez is claiming that Mark did it, but I can, I can see why Mark, I don't see why Mark should have to. No, take, no, definitely take that not. For it. Um, but, so next we get Jeremy's great escape plan. Yeah, when he's just like, okay, here's the plan. Good cop, bad cop. I say I'm ill. Mr. Rashid comes in, all sympathetic. You stand there, hit him gently but firmly until he stops not moving but resisting. We exit post haste, yeah? We murder Mr. Rashid. What is it with you and stealing and murdering today? You're mad on it. Right. Come on, let's just do it. No, Jeremy, there's procedures, forms. We need to go through the proper channel. But then they go out of the window. Yeah, this Why is what I don't get. Why did they go out the window yeah. earlier? I know. <laughs> so, so Mark makes a comment about, oh, like if you're so set on a life of crime, like no point in adding criminal damage as well. And they just, yeah, open the window. It swings open. And they're on the gone. ground floor. It's not like they've got to <laughs> jump out of anywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. So they get out. Mark says he's going to leave a tenor and a note. And Jez makes it to the concert, but not on time. But he has to pay. And again, you were saying about the whole, like, not knowing who the front people are of a band. He gets yeah. there and he's like, I'm not one of these people. I'm not, like... I'm, I'm not one of the shit I'm not one of the shit <laughs> Do I look, Do like, I a look like a civilian? wearing, like, a generic T-shirt and a generic jacket? <laughs> yeah. Um, he's already missed his chance. And when he gets onto the stage, he gets his way through. Acts like a real dick pushing everybody out of the way. And by the time he gets on there... Yeah, so he spots that Hans is already back in. Yeah. And so Hans is on stage, he's, you know, living at large or whatever. And he goes as far to do a, a stage dive, which I think is a bit bold for, like, a venue that small. But 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 Jez is just like, oh, he's, just like, he's such a crowd pleaser. Like, he's, yeah. he's just like, oh. but, but then, in, in a really, like, aggressive way. But then that's his opportunity to sort of seize the moment, steal the spotlight. And so he immediately jumps on stage and yeah. he, like, goes to replace Hans. Yeah. And then he does this little, right, let's do it, let's have it. Yeah. <laughs> like, trying to feed the And then the security crowd. appear, grab him by the balls and yeah. pres- presumably chuck him out. Yeah, he's like, oh, you've got my bollock. You're pulling out my bollock. <laughs> bollock, not bollock. Just yeah. the word, not like that. Um, so Jez's dream is over. Um, so what's he going to do? He's going to go and bring Mark down yeah. with him. <laughs> so Mark's been offered the chance to write this, like, whilst he's at this party, is offered the chance to write an article... I can't know what the article is about. It's up for the magazine. I can't know what the article is about. But it's basically dissing Simon Sharma, isn't it? It's yeah. like an article against Simon Sharma, who's a British um, historian and a writer. Well, what I love is that the start of this scene sort of employs one of my sort of favourite TV devices. And I think it's called uh, the Orphan Punchline. And it's where you arrive in a scene 
as the punchline of a joke is being told. Yeah. You have no idea what the setup was. Yeah. Oh, and they this is they've talked about this in the office when David Brent does the whole like it works. It's funny with the, with the tur- yeah, yeah, it works, it works with, with the, the turtle. turtle. So we arrive and Mark's just saying and I was like, yeah, the book's based on good source material, and that source material is Asterix the Gaul. Yeah. And everyone's like, ah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you've got no idea what's going on. But, but it's a know. typically nerdy joke for a history gathering, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know why, I just, I always, whenever that happens in a TV show, I'll laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Mark's been offered the chance by uh, McLeish to write an article basically shitting on Simon Sharma, who is quite a well-renowned history... Uh, British historical writer, and Mark sort of goes, yeah, right. To to make it to make it to the top, I've got to shit on my heroes. Maybe it could become a regular column, slaying the middle brow sacred cows. I can pen insights from the safety of the flat, the Zorro of academia. Who is that masked intellectual who so pricks our pomposity? Yeah, um, and we've seen how Mark has trampled over people he likes to impress someone. And he does this again when he meets Jeremy's uh, stepdad. In the, like the war dad thing, doesn't he? When he yeah. when he starts slagging off Anthony Beaver, um, yeah. Because like th- these people who, to you and me, and like I I read Anthony Beaver's books, I read Simon Sharma's books. Like they're a, they're a really good read, and actually for someone like me, although I've got a history degree, they I find them very interesting. But for somebody as intellectual as Professor McLeese, they probably are a little bit light. They they give an overview. Yeah. But it's also a case of being a bit of a snob, I think, and just being like, well, oh, I'm too good for Simon Sharma. We'll get into that later with McLeish, because yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, this party seems like Mark's dream. Loads of historical totally. debates going on. April comes over, and she's reading somebody's script. Cheers, but I'm just going to read Deirdre's play. Emily Dickinson and Virginia Woolf search for a lost Sappho manuscript on Lesbos. Do you think there could be a subtext? Just like, <laughs> like the nerdiest party of all time <laughs> and yeah so they're chatting away and then Jess turns up doesn't he the party pooper yeah um, obviously half cut so I presume he's hung about a bit is he half cut or is he just really pissed off I think combination I think, two yeah and just like marks his sort of life raft yeah and he's a bit down on his luck <laughs> and he'll, he? he'll always sort of return back yeah. and I feel like he quite bluntly forces his way into the party yeah and he, he just uh, declares that he's just had his dream smashed by the most punctual electro dub outfit in Britain <laughs> and then bang he just sort of like almost walks past McLeish yeah and just says like oh I'm a friend of, friend of Mark's and in he goes yeah and then Mark like could not be more gutted to see oh, his best man. friend <laughs> he um, says like oh bollocks like he shouldn't be here there's a limited room in the inner ring that's why it's the inner ring um but jeremy just goes to town like he's got no this is why i thought he was drunk he just starts spouting loads of stuff about like also clever professor and like goes on this whole like rant against mcleish doesn't he and mcleish like just shoots him straight down quite like and i know that this is probably the reason that you're going to go on and say you don't like mcleish and like he's a bit of a snob i was like oh is that what your friend chomsky tells you um yeah in lieu of a degree yeah 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 and yeah, it just comes back with this great like, oh, I've got a degree, my friend. Oh, I was yeah. in the glory years. Yeah, like mid nineties. Britpop was kicking off. Four weddings had just come out. It was mental. And McLeish is just like he doesn't know what, what four, four weddings. weddings. Is. Everyone knows what four he weddings. Just living is. under a rock. This is why I do not like McLeish. He's just so snobby. Four weddings yeah. is an absolute all time. <laughs> Jess completely sells Mark out here. Really totally. sells Mark out, and I, I get that Mark is doing something that's quite weird. And like he's way, he's in way over his head at this point. Completely. But Jez really sells him out, and he's really just like he's not like he he could be more gentle about it. And Jez literally like he's not one of you. He lives with me. 
He's yeah. a loan manager. Yeah. He sits there. We play um, Guest of Revel and watch Men in Black. Men in Black. On our massive fuck off <laughs> yeah. telly. We have a bloody good time. It is just, oh, yeah. Mark, he's got it coming, I guess, I guess to a certain extent. But again, it's this pettiness and this just, they will stitch each other up to get what they want. Yeah. Well, it's that thing of if what. They'll br- happily bring each other down. And I suppose Jez is level. just like, if I'm going down, I'm bringing you down with me. Yeah. I suppose yeah, that's, that's, that's it, isn't it? But just to go back on McLeish, <laughs> he pisses me off. I, I, what I do love is that Jez actually sort of, he brings him down a peg or two. Yeah. And he, he makes this remark of when McLeish says he hasn't watched Four Weddings. And McLeish makes this really like pretentious comment about how like he prefers to read books. And so Jez will just goes off on one here. And I, I love it. And he's like, oh, right, okay. Well, let's have a look at some of these books then. See how really great they I'm are. Written, this is a really underrated scene in my notes. It's so good. <laughs> well, let's have a look at some of these books, yeah? Let's see how really great they are. No, Jeremy, don't manhandle the books. Sister Carrie by Theodore Dreiser. The look on her face was one of disappointment. That's good, is it? What's good about that? I don't actually care for Dreiser. Oh, Oh, I see. These are just rows and rows of books that you don't really like. What do you do all day? Just sit around not reading them? And I'm sitting there just like, yeah, go on, Jess. Yeah. Like, get him. Stick like, it to the man. And this is why I think it's quite like an anti-university episode. Like, yeah. it's, it's just about sticking it to these snooty people. The thing is, Robert Webb and David Mitchell are very educated. Cambridge, Yeah, they're, they? Cam- yeah they're Cambridge graduates. But yeah, Jez has tried to blow Mark's cover, but Mark manages to do... Does he get? Does he manage manage to convince them, or does he just get out before his cover's completely? Yeah, blown? he he try. He does a bit of a weak attempt when they say he's a loan manager, and he goes, like, "I manage on my student loan, like I, I manage, manage on, it. on it." Yeah, and he tra- he tries to get it's around. So there. poor. But then he sees April, and he's like, "Right, like my cover's blown. I'll try and take April with him." And he says that, like, you know, do you want to go with me? And uh, McLeish tries to hang on to her, and he says, like, we were going to smoke a joint and read Homer. You can play Helen. And this is where I think it's a little bit weird. The professor inviting them round to his house. Yeah. Drugs are out and she can play Helen. It's getting a bit yeah, seedy, a bit I feel. And then Mark offers a kind of a shit substitute. Or, or I've got six quid. Let's get two bottles of Thunderbird and see you can drink theirs fastest. And would you believe it? He wins. Yeah, like, the student mentality wins out. Yeah, so she, she uh, he manages to pull her, her away from yeah. the inner ring. And they they head back to uh, to her place, and Mark knows it's going well, and he's trying to like coach himself. It's again very typical behaviour of Mark. And as soon as he says this to himself, we know that this sort of thing is going to come into play. And he's like, oh, okay, like dangerously close to getting what I want. Don't think about Sophie. So we know. He's and gonna, immediately, yeah, he's thinking about like, Sophie. Sophie's yeah. going to like. We've not seen her at all this episode, yeah. apart from way back. She was referenced at the beginning in the shoe yeah. shop, but she is about to come into play again. So they go into her room, and so Mark's got her right where he wants her at this point. And we spoke about this quite a lot in earlier episodes that Mark doesn't seem to be able to seize the moment enough with women. Well, no, he 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 has an action plan, doesn't he? He knows in his head, and this is probably possibly why this goes to shit because he hasn't had the time to prepare for it. Like yeah. with Sophie, he he know he knew how it was going to work. Dobby in later series, to a certain extent, he knows his game, and even. Right, we we know that April comes back in a. I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you know that April comes back in series nine. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. But he has he has slightly more of a plan in that yeah. in that in that in that series. Whereas here, every step he's taking is a step further and further out of his depth. Yeah, and so he hasn't thought about what's actually going to happen when he gets himself back to her 
student digs. Yeah, so he gets back there and, and he says, he says, perfect, the kind of scenario that used to terrify me, now I can handle, but then immediately bottles it. So yeah. he tells himself to just lean in, pull her towards me, and then it's just complete stage fright. Yeah. And he even he's telling himself, this is my chance, and I'm doing nothing. I am now, this instant, missing my chance. I wonder, like... Like we touched on Sophie, like he made quite a bit of progress with her, but we know as well. We spoke about how is that just because he can grind her down? Like they see each other every day. Yeah. So do you think that it's just April being new that he hasn't had enough time to sort of get to know whether she would be willing to reciprocate? We don't know what Mark's relationship history is, other than Sophie. We and the fact that and he slept with Valerie in series yeah. one. So we don't know whether he's been in serious relationships or. We don't know what his game is in trying to to get the girl in the first place. And if he's getting to the point where he's possibly not used to going in for the kiss this quickly in a relationship, in a relationship, like in a situation with a female. He very much likes to know where he stands. Yeah. Like he likes to know whether there's a, like a, a 99% chance that they will reciprocate. Well, think about when he kissed Sophie. He literally says to her... Can I kiss you, Sophie? Yeah. Like, he literally asks her. So I think it's just of a case of he's so socially inept, he doesn't want to make the mistake of kissing her and getting it wrong. And it was quite interesting, because I was watching this episode the other day with my fiancé, and I said to her, when Mark's doing this bit where he's like, I've got to be absolutely sure that she's going to reciprocate before I kiss her, I said, I literally said to Miranda, this is how I felt before, before I first kissed you. I was like, I need to be exactly sure that she's definitely going to reciprocate here. Well, it's interesting. You said, you mentioned about the, the Sophie kiss and he says, can, can I, kiss I kiss you, you? now? And we, we get that again, really, because, because of his hesitation, it fizzles out and he ends up having to leave because yeah. she just says, I'm going to turn in then if nothing's going to happen. But then he he walks out into the hall, sees that poor Jez is just sleeping on the floor in like a sleeping bag, and then he turns. Why has he come with? What, how has he ended up there? I suppose. I suppose just McLeish is going to have chucked him out, isn't he? He's yeah, so he's, he can't stay with the band, so he's just going to follow this Mark. This is a like shit a, show, isn't like it? A, <laughs> yeah, it is. And so he then goes and asks April whether he can kiss her. But I, I feel it is weird. Like he missed the chance because he was scared. But I feel like it takes more courage. To then knock on the door, having yeah. left and gone, can I come back in? Yeah, but I suppose at that point he's just going like, I've done all of the groundwork here. I've done all of this to bottle it at the last minute. I suppose, I'm, and I'm that desperate to. Maybe he's just motivated by like not sleeping on the floor with yeah, chairs. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's that. But so he, he plucks up the courage to do it. He's like, come on, she can only hurt me emotionally. Look, just now I, I wanted to make the move and I just want to know if, if I make the move now even though ad- admittedly that the moment has sort of gone you're not gonna back away or look disgusted or anything are you and she just she sort of nods or shakes her head yeah it's like, yeah, yeah, like yeah gives yeah. him the green light and he's just like great thanks and then there's that awkward like, uh. like we just talked about it before like the point of view and the kissing like always looks weird <laughs> but this is Mark, very much Mark's MO with every woman like we said he asks Sophie he basically asks April here and then Dobby she like he goes in to make the move and she calls him out on it doesn't she and she's like are you is that a lunge is yeah. this the is this the pre-lunge <laughs> like it obviously is like he has to be so systematic with it yeah it's yeah it's odd it's <laughs> very odd 
But so yeah, it's a fair play to him. Like he's in. Um, and April mentions that she's going to go to the loo, presumably sort of like I don't know, freshen up or something. And it's at this point we knew that he'd mentioned Sophie, so we knew she was going to come into play at some point in the scene. And he can't resist he having up. a pop at Sophie in an attempt to make her jealous, just like back in episode three of series one with Valerie, and he yeah. he ha- just has to say, "This is Valerie. Like I've just met her at a party. Like he has to boast in some way." Um, and he leaves such an awkward message for her. Although I suppose it can't be worse than the then I go and spoil yeah, it yeah. message. Like the, the bar is set so low. Hi, Sophie. Uh, it's Mark here. Sorry to call so late. I just wanted to leave you a message to remind you to print out the proposal docs for the big meet tomorrow at 5pm. Anyway, I'm just down in Dartmouth at the moment with a lovely young student girl. Things are going pretty well. I just made the move, which went brilliantly. And so now we're probably going to go to bed. Anyway, see you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> it's just so, like, so blunt force. <laughs> yeah, and it, well, it just reinforces the point of how, like, in love with Sophie he is, isn't it? It's just... She's always there, yeah, at yeah. the back of his mind. Yeah. Like, how can he use any situation to manipulate Sophie? Yeah. So then, after all that build-up, him going back in, making the move, April turns... She ends up turning in for the night. The drink's got a bit too much for her. And uh, she well, has to wait. And also the fact that then Sophie then rings him back, and Sophie is just like it just makes it really uncomfortable for April. Although she does, she says this before the phone call. She says that she's going to turn in for the night. Yeah, so and, and then any chance of him. Yeah, and then they're interrupted by the phone call. Yeah. So he's trying to run this like, oh come on, like no, tonight, like it's got to really be feel tonight. Like the mood's right tonight, um, but he ends up sort of getting turned away. Like what? Well, well, they're left with cuddling only for then sophie to call back and we while we don't hear what she says like clearly she's not happy about it and we, we only get mark's side but it is quite telling hi oh h- hello sophie yes I, I i'm i'm very sorry to have called you so late i i, I just thought you might have been interested in how things were going for me but you're not. So Mark's out of luck, might have got a cuddle, but nothing else. And we finished the episode the next morning as Mark and April were sort of saying their goodbyes, although April doesn't know that it's like a, a forever goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she thinks they're planning on meeting after the lecture. Um, of course, Mark won't be there, and, and Jez has arrived as they're going to head back to London. So Mark's missed his chance again, uh, but he's trying to console himself to Jez as April heads off. And he just turns to Jez, he's like... Ah, she would have done it, like, given another night or two, she would have. And Jez comes with this great little, like, yeah, so uh, another notch on the bedpost, sort of. of. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, that's a brilliant, really underrated line, that. And then we finish with this shot of Mark just watching April walk away as Mark thinks to himself, This is okay. This is just a moment that'll haunt me forever. And it's such a like, depressing ending. Well, and it does, like, it is a depressing ending, and it does haunt him. Like, we discover when he sees her again in, like, six, seven series time, he literally says, like... She's the one that got away. Yeah, and, yeah. He, and she says to him, did we share... Did we, sh- did, did we kiss? Like, did something happen between us? And he says something in his internal monologue. He's like in that moment that I replay in my mind daily. Yeah. Like, so he's, he obviously does hold on to her. He always holds a candle to her, doesn't he? April's the one. April's the one. Here. I think, <laughs> I th- I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think back to what our poll said. What was our, what, what was the, what was the result of our poll? 
We did a, a poll on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I think, yeah. Who I was think... Mark's one? I think, I think April... Did we have April was Mark's one? And then... Um, so April, I'm just looking back through our Twitter. April got 52% wow. of, the, of the votes to Dobby's 43. Um, Ooh, okay. so, Sophie got two. So I think April was Mark's one. But then, Mark, but then Mark, Mark was Jez's one. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. 54% <laughs> voted for Mark. Brilliant. Um, and yeah, so that sort of wraps up the, the episode then. We end on that bit of a... Depressing of, note. Yeah, a bit fizzled out. Yeah. So, the quiz. The quiz. I've gone incredibly obscure this week. I, I say this every week. <laughs> because I probably haven't watched it quite as well as I well, normally I do. Well, I think there's possibly... There's one that we've talked about. Okay, that's uh, good. The other three are so obscure. If you get them, I'll be really, really impressed. So um, I'll start with the easy one. I'll bo- boost your confidence. Okay. Um, when Mark is in Professor McLeish's seminar, he says about um, a year that the Romans didn't have soldiers stationed in Galilee till... Uh, 138 AD? Yeah, yeah 138 yeah. AD. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Going back to the beginning of the episode, Jez and Superhands, when they come out of the shop, when they're talking about lead, uh, front, being the front man of two different bands... Um, yeah. He talks about Tom Perry, and he says Tom Perry tried it with these two bands. Uh, Can you remember either? I'll give you a point for each. Um, no. This the Heartbreakers and the Wilburys. Uh, um, again, I, I don't think you're going to get these two. <laughs> um, I did, these take, these take I, I wondered real... um, whether you were going to ask about the, the chocolate bar. Both of both of these both of these ones were things I had to pause to get the answer. I had to notice a specific thing. Okay. Not the chocolate bar that you're thinking of, but what was the brand of chocolate that Mark buys? He buys a when he takes that box of chocolates in no. for, 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 for April. What is the brand of chocolate? So not not the chocolate that Hans has, but what's the chocolate that he takes in? Because I can tell you, it's bingo chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. This it's is... it's Elizabeth Shaw. Elizabeth Shaw. And finally. Mate, I think I think I've stumped you this week. I think I've gone too hard. <laughs> what type? Like Mark gets back to the flat after see, going to give the chocolates to April. Right. What time is it when he gets back? Oh he comes in God. and he's talking to Nancy and Jez, and you see the time on the clock in the background. What time does he get back? This is why I thought he'd come back from work. Oh, okay, so I'll take a pun. Uh... Um, five forty-five, six fifteen. Oh no, I was gonna say. Oh. <laughs> I was weighing it up in my mind, and I was like, do, do I think he finished at like five or half five? <laughs> uh, How long's the tube journey back to Croydon? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so that maybe I've maybe I've pitched it too high this week. A uh, one out of four. Much, must do better. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the lowest score of uh, of the entire uh, podcast. So. It was a bit of a university challenge. Oh, yeah, very yeah. good. Uh, yeah, I feel like I thought I might struggle because I hadn't quite, uh, I hadn't watched it with quite the Hawkeye that I normally had. Whereas I watched the episode and then um, then went back to find uh, really nitty gritty bits for the quiz. No, that was good though. Yeah, I like that quiz. Uh, okay, so. That wraps up the episode. Thank you for joining us, as always. If you've enjoyed the show and want to hear more, you can subscribe to us right here, if you haven't already. Um, And we're making a big push for reviews still, so they really help us out, reach a wider audience. So if you can please take a quick moment to leave a review, we'd really appreciate it. Join us next week for episode five of series two, which is called The Man Show. And Mark's battle with Jeff is getting more and more difficult here.
If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask a question, leave feedback, anything like that, you can email us at podcastsecretsofthepharaohs at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at podcastpharaohs. And on Facebook, you can find us by searching Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. And we've hit the big time on Twitter this week. We've finally had our our first piece of interaction uh, with Mr. Robert Webb himself. Yeah. So if you didn't, yeah, if you didn't see it, check out our Twitter. We uh, one of our well, one of Rob's posts um, got a bit of traction there with uh, Mr. Robert Webb. I think he so. felt like, like I was mocking him. I wasn't trying to mock him. I don't think I was trying to suggest that he should live up to Adam Levine's standards, <laughs> but uh, he, we, he, he came back to us. Yeah, yeah no, no, yeah. It, was, it was really fun, that. Yeah, so there we have it. Thank you very much for listening to us, everyone, and thanks again for joining me, Rob. There's no Quim likes to party like the Quim down in Darty.